morning. My name is Lisa Kruger, and I have been a member of North Star since 2004, and I am so glad I found my way home to North Star. I lead a women's study on Tuesday nights, and the time we spend together each week is a true blessing. So I'm going to read to you Acts 16, verses 13 through 18. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Tyathera, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Thank you, Lisa. Man, I love North Star Church. I'm so excited to be with you today. Lisa's done an incredible job. She's about to go hold babies for the next 30 minutes. She said, I got to read and I got to go because I got something to do this morning. Go ahead and open your Bible up to Acts chapter 16. Miss Lisa just read it for us. And in a second, we'll dive into this passage. But from the jump, let me tell you this, man, I am tired this morning. Who stayed up late for that game last night? Duke, North Carolina. Oh, yeah? I love it. I noticed uh, you are at this service and not the 930. I'm just taking notes, just assuming, putting two things together. But man, what a good game. This was could not be written better. If you didn't know. North Carolina, Coach Hubert Davis, first-year head coach, following up legendary Roy Williams. Coach K, incredible coaching career coming to an end this year. They met twice in the regular season. North Carolina beat them both times, including Coach K's last home game at Cameron Indoor. So last night, Final Four, championship game on the line. North Carolina pulls off the upset, which just sounds so gross to say that North Carolina was an underdog in a basketball game. Like, if it's football, sure. Like, come on, give us North Carolina. Give us the cupcake. Not in basketball, though. What is wild about that, though, an eight seed beating a two seed, North Carolina Duke, we are captivated by March and April with what's happening in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's March Madness, right? And we care, we care about the championship game. It's going to be a fun game tomorrow night. But really what gets, at least me, man, that first round, that second round, the Cinderella stories. You talk about UNC, or UMCB, talk about Loyola Chicago, Lehigh, and this year's Cinderella story, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Give it up. It was funny. Me and my wife were talking. Uh, she was watching a game, and she was like, oh, the fighting peacocks. I was like, no, 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 no. They're just the regular peacocks. Like, she just assumed, she said, if it's a cute mascot, they've got to have fighting in front of it. It's like, no, no, no. They're just, it's just coincidence. And what's wild is this 15 seed plays Kentucky, basketball powerhouse, and gets an upset. 
it's cool, okay, it's a fluke, one-time thing, it's okay, that'll happen. Does it again, Murray State. Does it again, Purdue. And then loses last Sunday to the eventual, you know, championship game playing North Carolina Tar Heels. Man, why I think we are so captivated in the month of March and April is we love to see the unseeable happen. We want to see a miracle, right? Like we want to see the Cinderella story, the team who has no chance, like the St. Peter's Peacocks. I'm just going to say that as many times as I can because I don't know when else I'll say Peacock from the stage. We love to see the unthinkable become true. It grips us and down to our soul, whether it's sports or whether it's life, we want to see a miracle, what is unexpected to become true. This morning in Acts chapter 16, we're going to dive into this passage and see the miracle that happens, the three miracles that we can cling to today. And my hope and goal in this morning is that you will see the power of our God and it will challenge and encourage you. Acts chapter 16, Ms. Lisa just read it for us, but I'm going to read it again. 13 to 18, it says this. And on the Sabbath day, as we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she got baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we would go into the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning asking that you would search our hearts. God, the way that you have searched me this past week in this passage, God, I pray that you would search all of our hearts together. God, that we would come humbly expecting you this morning. As we read a story of, of two different women who lived thousands of years ago, that we wouldn't see it as a, as a good story that we can kind of model ourselves around, but we would see it as a living, active, true word from your scriptures, God. Help us to see the power in this story and to allow it to influence our life and flow in the way that we love and care for others. In your name, I pray all these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. So if you were with us last week, Mike was in the passage right before this, and he was saying Paul and Silas were headed to a missionary journey. They were going one direction, not the band. They were heading one way, and out of nowhere, a vision from a Macedonian man comes saying, help us, help us, we need your help. So Paul turns and him and Silas and Timothy along the way and Luke, who is the writer of this book that we're reading this morning, the four of them and probably some others on their team set sail for Macedonia. And they land in the port city of Philippi. 
Now for us, we know what Philippi is a little bit because the book of Philippians, but this wasn't the place that we know a couple books later in our scriptures. This is the Roman city Philippi, a city that had been captured in war, a city that after all the rubble fell, the Roman soldiers just stayed there and said, hey, look, this is ours now. And it became what was known as Little Rome. It had such a Roman influence, Greek gods everywhere. And this place was dark. And it was without hope. A place that is hard to wrap our mind around at times, but a place that has not heard the name of Jesus. And in a second, we'll see it isn't really religious, at least in the correct ways. So they go to this place. They go excited to do a major work in a major city. And just like every other time in Acts we have seen, when Paul shows up somewhere, he goes straight to the synagogue. And what he does, he preaches the Old Testament and says, hey, this is pointing to Jesus, the guy that just died. This is him. He is the Messiah. So he goes and he's like, hey, in Philippi, where's the synagogue? And probably what happened is they began to laugh and said, what synagogue? We don't have a synagogue here. Because it says that there is no synagogue. What is customary at that time is if there are 10 Jewish men present in the city, a synagogue must be built. So just from that small detail, we know that there are less than 10 men who believe in the God of Israel in Philippi. This city hasn't not just heard of Jesus, they haven't heard of the God of Israel. Like Paul normally goes and preaches the Old Testament. He's like, hold on, all right, um, here we go. Let's just throw stuff and see what happens. His MO was thrown off. So he said, all right, well, if, if there's no synagogue, where, where do followers of God, where the God of Israel, where do they go? They said, they go to the river and they pray. So Paul goes to the river. And he goes to the river and meets this woman, the first character, the first woman in our story today, Lydia. And he begins to share with her. Miracle number one today, and we're gonna talk through three miracles. The first miracle is this, the salvation of Lydia. The salvation of Lydia. So who is this Lydia? In verse 14, we get a couple different details about her. First, it says she's from Thyatira, which is a wealthy Asian city. It was a port city. So if there was a place for boats to come in and out, it had money. So think about it this way. Thyatira, a port city. Philippi, a port city. She has been in New York and now lives in LA and is doing her thing. And she's probably been successful in both of them. Because the next thing that it uses to describe her is a seller of purple. Now look, uh, when we were talking earlier this week, Steve Roach was like, hey, you gonna wear purple on Sunday to like show? I was like, Oh, LSU colors? No way. Like, you won't catch me in, in any state, in particular Georgia, wearing purple and resembling Louisiana State University. But in that time, and this time outside of Louisiana, this was a th color known for wealth. If you had purple clothes and things, because dye was so hard to make, you had money. And not only does Lydia sell these things, she has these things as well. There's a guy on TikTok named Daniel Mack, and he's come famous. Look, I don't know how he figured this out, and I wish I could have figured it out. He just asks rich people what they do for a living and makes a lot of money off of it. So if you've seen it, you've probably seen the video and don't know who he is. He walks up to somebody in a super nice car. Think Ferrari, think Lamborghini, think Porsche. Walks up with his phone and says, hey, man, I love the car. 
what do you do for a living? And they say, oh, well, you know, I had stock in Apple. I sell crypto. I had this Ponzi scheme. And here we are. I don't know. Daniel Mack would have gone up to Lydia in her beautiful brand new Lamborghini and said, dang, Lydia, what do you do for a living? I love the car. See, Lydia has got it like that. She is loaded. She has so much money. So not only is she from this incredibly popular city, not only is she successful in her trade and selling purple, she's also a follower of God, which is an interesting note. Because what Luke means here is like, oh, we're probably thinking, this girl's a Christian. She's going to help Paul. It's going to be great. But he doesn't say that. And the actions that we see later in this text don't show that she's following after Jesus. It just says she's a follower of God. The, the way that a lot of scholars and commentators think about this is ultimately that she has decided Greek mythology ain't it. Man, she's probably been burned by these gods, probably been burned by the things that she has tried to put her faith in, and she knows that that's not the way. So today at the river, she is searching for the way. Maybe she's heard of this God of Israel. Maybe her friend invited her to come pray. Maybe she just decided to to go get some water and happened to stumble upon this group, but she is searching for God. And we see God meet her here. It says the Lord opened her heart to what Paul said. And then she got baptized. She began to believe. A miracle. Something miraculous. And you may be thinking, okay, sellers, cool. Like, we'll let it play. This is a sermon note, whatever. But a miracle is what God does in salvation. See, when God saves a person, he's not moving them from being a bad person to being a good person. Like, that's just behavior modification. If that's the case, keto is a miracle. And some of you are like, oh, it actually is. Like, the fact I can make it through that. (laughs) A workout program would be a miracle. Having a 12-step better you version of yourself that you read and figure out would be a miracle. But God's not into making bad people good. He's into making dead people alive. This is a God who makes dead things have life in them. So God meets Lydia, who is morally good. She's a great business owner. She does all the right things. Except she has sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And God meets her in that. See, salvation is a miracle every single time. No matter what. If you have been saved, you have a miracle in your midst. Just for the fun of it. Some of you may say, hey, look, sellers, I know I'm Lydia. Like, I was a good person. I I did most things right. I didn't cut corners. I always made A's. I lived a good life. And then I realized that I'd still fallen short. And God began to grip me in a special way. If that's you, if you would say, hey, before Christ and how I met Christ, I was like Lydia. Would you raise your hand confidently this morning? I love it. So again, for you, if you have your hand up, let me tell you this, because I think sometimes if we have a story like Lydia where I was six and I came to know the Lord or I was just at a small group that somebody invited me to, that we begin to question whether that's powerful. A miracle has happened in your life. Point blank period. There is power in your story. Whether it was a small, quiet way that the Lord gripped you, God has done a miracle. Never be ashamed of that. 
I think sometimes we this guy, we gotta have the flashy. I've gotta be like an ax murderer and hung out on drugs and all of a sudden turn seven. And like, I think we have to, we feel like that sometimes. But here we have Lydia, a good girl, a great business owner, lived in some great spots and did things well. And a miracle happened in her life. And there's power in that. Never, ever doubt your testimony. And what's even more wild in this passage is that this is the first ever salvation in the continent of Europe. And what's wild about it is that it's a woman. Again, in this culture, incredibly oppressive towards women. Like almost no value in this culture, can't hold land, can't inherit things, struggling to do well. And God chooses to reach Europe through a Lydia, a woman. See, for us in this room, I know our culture has, has caught up a little bit more, but we believe that God has created everyone in his image, the Imago Day. Man and women alike, all are created equal but distinct. So for you who are in this room, God is using you. And he's trying to redeem this story, just like he was trying to redeem the story of him at the tomb. Notice the first three people who come to the tomb when Jesus has arisen. It's Mary Magdalene, it's Joanna, and it's Jesus' mama Mary. And in this story, Lydia, the first salvation in a continent. See, the true gospel, the, the word of God does nothing but empowers women. And if that is not the word that you have been preached, you've been told a false gospel. Just gonna put it there. Women and men are both called to live towards God, to be bold, to be courageous, and to live in submission to him. He's created all of us in his image. And we see as we continue the story that ultimately Lydia was burdened for those around her. Again, Lydia was burdened for others. We see that as she continues the story. I'll read verse 15 at the beginning of it. It says, and after she was baptized in her household as well. Now what that means, again, Paul's not just like, oh, Lydia, perfect, you got saved. Let's get your whole family, your mom, your dad, your kids, your friends, like we'll baptize them all, we'll do it. No, Paul knows that baptism comes after belief. So Lydia is burdened for the people around her. She says, these family members that I love don't know Jesus. I wanna go tell them. And we see that she is baptized and her family is baptized as well. Again, Lydia was burdened for those around her. If you're, if you're taking notes or if you're on the app, you can thumb this in. Write the word unsettled beside this. What does it mean to be unsettled? See, honestly, when I was reading this passage and prepping for today, I had to ask myself the question, does my level of burden for those around me look unsettling? Or does it look comfortable? Does it look convenient? Do I care for the lostness around me enough to say that I'm unsettled for their salvation? Friends, never let it be said of North Star that we were content. Let us be people who are known as being unsettled for the gospel, being burdened for those around us in our community. I mean, I love 
this. In verse 40, we won't read this today, but verse 40 says that they actually went back to Lydia's house. And most scholars believe the Philippian church started out of Lydia's home. Again, talk about being unsettled. Somebody who has had their life changed by the Savior and willing to do whatever it takes to have people know him. So good, so good. And then we continue the story and now meet another girl. I'm gonna read it again, starting in verse 16, just because it's been a minute. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she said, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So Paul and Silas are going to pray. They're going to a spot to pray. And on the way, we have a new woman enter the scene, a slave girl. And she begins to mock them. What she's saying is true. They are believers in Jesus trying to show them the way. But even though the words are factual, probably the way it comes off is like, guys, these are Christians. These are the worst people. Like they're gonna convert you. They're gonna do these things. They're gonna tell you this. Can you believe it? Like, that was Saul. That's that bad dude. That's that terrorist. He's so awful. And then my favorite verse in scripture. Paul, not in loving compassion, not Paul ever so gently, Paul being so annoyed. Like, Paul was ticked. He was so mad at this girl. He was so annoyed that he cast a demon out of her. Now, parents, hear me. When you're in the car and you hear, mom, 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 don't get on Amazon and order holy water. Like, you're okay. <laughs> See, Paul wasn't annoyed with the girl saying these words. He was annoyed that this demon had taken possession in her life. He was so, again, unsettled that she had been controlled by something. He cast a demon out in her name, in Jesus' name. And I love it. I love the way that they talk through this. Because here's, again, miracle number two, the salvation of the slave girl. Again, the second miracle we see is the salvation of the slave girl. I mean, this girl's been enslaved her whole life, both physically and spiritually. I mean, she has owners who make her like a puppet go and dance and tell fortunes so they can make some money. She has a demon in her life who's like verbally calling things out. Man, this, this girl, who seems to be a young girl that they call her a slave girl instead of a slave woman, has been dealt with a life of captivity. And in this, we see her captivity broken. Again, she's been enslaved by the wrong passions her entire life. And Paul, in a moment, through the power of Jesus Christ, frees her from her demons. And you may be asking, like, all right, sellers, like, again, I know you went to seminary. I know you've studied. This doesn't say she got saved. Well, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talks about casting demons out. And here's what he says. He says, if somebody has a demon that is cast out, something else has to fill the void or it will come back with seven more demons. And in that, we see next week, we'll dive into it more, but the owners are angry with Paul. And I wouldn't say it's because the, that they got seven more demons back. 
The demon has left and the Holy Spirit has taken residence. And this girl has been freed from her slavery. Man, a miracle yet again. Salvation to this girl. To be fair, since I made the Lydia's in the room raise their hand, let me ask you this, and you may be like, hey, look, I was not demon-possessed, I promise. I'm not raising my hand no matter what you say. Maybe your story is a little more like this, girls, that Jesus had to reach into a dark place to find you. Again, you are stuck in a brokenness. Again, your life may have looked wilder than you could imagine. But Jesus, in his loving kindness, reached in and gripped your heart. Would you raise your hand if that's your story? Thank you. Thank you. And again, there is power in this story as well. Again, the fact that God has delivered this girl and delivered some of you from what seems like a hopeless state at times. There is power that Jesus has cleaned up a little bit. And for some of you, I think, again, some of you may not have raised your hand. You're like, oh, like, I don't want to show it. I don't want to. It's like I've got this much of a hand raised where you don't really see it. But as you look around, maybe you saw some comfort in the room that there's some people in here that go to North Star that are faithful members that serve well that have had a little junk in their story as well. Again, hopefully that gives you a comfort to know that you're not alone here. We don't pretend to be perfect people. We're all pretty broken, honestly. And we come together under one Jesus and one Savior. See, ultimately, what Luke is doing here in writing this, he's contrasting the two different stories. He's trying to show you the difference between Lydia and the slave girl. See, Lydia, she was wealthy. Like, again, she's got it like that. She's got it. I mean, the slave girl's poor. She was making a quick buck, but it was for her owner. She didn't have anything. Again, Lydia, she was a public figure known by everybody. She was the popular businesswoman. This slave girl, we don't even know her name. Like it wasn't worth it to write her name down in this, it shows. To just show the difference between these two people. Melidia was religious and moral. Again, she was a good person. But the slave girl was broken and tormented. And what this shows in contrasting the two of these women shows that our God is big enough to save both. That our God is, is here for the, the sweet, tender-hearted Lydia and here for the slave girl who doesn't know her left from her right. And he loves each of them. Because here's the one thing he's comparing as well. They have one problem, and that's sin in their life. Again, the problem in their life is sin. The standard's perfection. But their sin has separated them from Jesus. They cannot measure up. And that problem of sin is found, again, Lydia... A good person. You may not would know her sin. The slave girl, everybody knows her sin. Man, she's out there dancing like a monkey for all of them. And in this, we see the problem of sin finds one solution, and that's to trust in Jesus. To trust in Jesus. See, both had turned from their sin and put their faith in a savior. Both of them said, I've been living this way. Again, whether it was good in the world standards or not, I've turned from that and trusted in a savior, one who is bigger than myself. See, in both of these situations, Jesus was better and Jesus was worth it. 
So we have to ask ourselves, why is this important enough to be left in Scripture? I mean, there were other conversions that happened. So why, why did these two girls make the cut? I think it proves that our God is big enough to save the morally right and those who don't believe in morals. Our God is big enough to save those who have it all together and those who don't know anything better. Our God is big enough to save through the gospel. It is for everybody. It is for the rich or the poor, the black or the white, the male or the female. It is for the religious or irreligious, the the conservative or the liberal. The gospel is for all and above all things. And it is good news. Man, praise God it's bigger than, than who I am as a personality. Praise God it's bigger than the characteristics I have in my life. Praise God. Because here's the thing, the God of the universe is merciful and freely offers mercy to all who will trust in him. Again, I don't know who you are or what you've done. I don't know which camp you raised your hand in or you're like, oh, there wasn't even a category for me. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. And the same Lord who is over all says if you call on his name and put your faith and trust in him, he will save you. Today, salvation is offered for you. Whichever camp you find yourself in, whether you feel like you do things pretty well or, man, you're stumbling in here on a Sunday morning, salvation is offered to you if you put your faith in Jesus. And let me tell you, it's the best thing you could ever do. My encouragement to you is not to wait. We see these two women not wait. And Lydia, that day, baptized, family coming with, slave girl, that day, demon cast out. For you, that day. It could be today. That you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But sellers, I don't, I don't know enough. They didn't know enough. If you believe that your problem of sin can be solved in Jesus, then you can have salvation. It's a free gift to anyone who would seek after it. Or maybe you're in the room and like, okay, cool. Thanks, sellers. This doesn't apply to me. I've already made that decision. What do we do as believers now? Like how does Acts 16 inform the way we wake up tomorrow? I think we see it pretty clearly. Miracle number three, the salvation of blank. Some of you are like, hold, hold, hold up. No, I, I didn't. I didn't miss this in sermon prepping. I wasn't up that late last night. I intentionally left this blank for you. Because if you say, hey, I was a Lydia, I was a slave girl, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, now you have the responsibility to share with others. You get to continue the story, friends. So ask yourself this question. Who in your life needs to know Jesus? Who in your life needs to know their problem of sin and their solution can be found in a holy Savior? And what I want you to do with that blank is to take a moment and to write the name of that person that comes to mind. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, a, a family member. See, what we're praying here at North Star is that miracle threes are happening all around the world. 
that you would continue to carry this story out and that we would see salvations all across Cobb County, Paulding County, Cherokee County because of your willingness to continue the story. And some of you are like, oh, I hate this part when he asked me to do something. Like, this is always my least favorite part. Some of you maybe already are like tightened up because I've asked you to go and share this. Let me give you two things to hold to today that can help reassure you and give you confidence to do this. The first thing is this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Again, salvation belongs to the Lord. So friends, you get to rest in that. Like you don't have to save anybody which it's a relief because if it was up to me, man, I, I would botch that real quick. But it's up to God. When we see David say in Psalm 3, salvation belongs to the Lord. We see Jonah say it in Jonah 2, salvation belongs to the Lord. We see it here in North Star, salvation belongs to the Lord. So yes, be burdened, but rest in the fact that God can do it. And he will. And here's the second thing. And I, again, I'm, I'm trying to make you work this morning. So I left it for you to fill in. Not only does salvation belong to the Lord, but write this as well. Faith comes through hearing. Faith comes through hearing. All throughout scripture, we see it clear that we are called to go and tell people about this Savior. We sometimes act like it's like the great advice piece, but it's the great commission. We are called to go. And Paul says it clearly in Romans 10, salvation comes through hearing, through hearing the Lord, the word of the Lord. A few verses before that in 10, 14, he says, how are they to hear if no one is to preach? And guess what? That doesn't mean up here on a stage every time. It can but I would argue what's more effective is you preaching, and it may not sound like preaching, please don't like grab a microphone and be like, I'm gonna preach to you today, but just sharing life and telling others about the hope that you have found in Jesus at your workplace, in your communities, in your circles that you run with. Faith comes through hearing. And I think sometimes we just try and simplify it to say faith comes through the way we live our life. And friends, that is so not biblical. Man, I pray that your life matches the hope that you believe in. But nobody's gonna come to faith in Jesus through the way that you act Christian. So we've gotta get up and we gotta tell somebody. We can't sit here and say, I'm gonna live a good enough life because we couldn't live a good enough life for ourselves. That logic doesn't even make sense. Faith comes through hearing. Through hearing that every person has one problem, sin. And one solution, a hope in Jesus. Will you be bold this week? We live sent. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you again for today and what you are doing in this room. God, I don't know why you choose to use broken people like us, but you make it clear that that is your plan of salvation for the world. So God, for the believers in this room, I pray that they have a new confidence resting in that you are the one who provides salvation. But God, you use us. So encourage us to go. 
God, give us that person. Challenge us. Give us opportunities so we can make your name great. God, and for the person who walked in here today who said they haven't put their faith in Jesus, God, I pray that you would continue to answer the questions they have. But at some point, they would put their faith and trust in you. Knowing we can't get it all, we don't understand every single mystery that is God, but putting their faith and trust in the miracle that you were doing in their life. God, moving them from death to life. So God, use us this week. Give us courage and allow us to see the miracle of salvation in this room and around this city. In your name, I pray all these things. Amen. Amen.